0: Hello, people of the way, blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. We continue our study here through the Old Testament, and we start here in verse 1. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. Now, remember how we ended last week where the recon team, two-man recon team, they returned to Joshua and we see at the end of chapter 2 in verse 23, in the middle of verse 23, and they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. So they give a little uh, sit-rep to Joshua, a little situation report to Joshua. Uh, and now it's, we're moving now. It's time to to, to, to to move in. And so we see here in chapter 3, verse 1, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. This is the Jordan River. Now, this is the same river that John was baptizing in. John the Baptist was baptizing uh, in his same river that our Lord Jesus was baptized in. And interesting to note is that After the baptism of Jesus, uh, Satan tempted him. Remember, he was in the wilderness and he was tempted. You see, an attack. It's very powerful when you consider our walk. Remember, we we study the Old Testament from the lens of the New Covenant and standing firmly on the rock of the New Covenant. But you see uh, the parallels. Uh, And when I say parallels, you see similar attributes, uh, parallels in various realms, so to speak. Now, Jesus, after his baptism, was attacked, you know, and that's the same thing with you and me. Baptism into Christ, belief in Jesus Christ, baptism into Christ, and then all of a sudden, boom, the attacks. A lot of times people think incorrectly that oh i'm gonna be a christian and everything's gonna be fine and dandy and when you count the cost biblically you see that walking with christ belief in jesus christ and walking with jesus christ it comes at a cost it absolutely comes at a cost now ultimately it's paradise ultimately it leads to paradise but In this world, in these earth suits of ours, remember what we studied in the book of Acts, how we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. It's not going to be fine and dandy in this life. Spiritually speaking, there's a peace that surpasses understanding. But there's still tribulation. It just so happens that we studied this on Sunday. So now we see here in verse 1 here that the, the the recon team, two-man recon team, they come back, give the sit rep to Joshua. And remember, Joshua in chapter 1, the Lord says, I'm with you. Do not be, you know, be strong and courageous. I am with you. And, you know, you, you see here how Joshua is leading the children of Israel But then at the same time, you see how when the recon team, they come back and report to Joshua. They came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. And so we look at verse 2. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. The officers, it's the overseers. The overseers, they went through the camp. And we see in verse 3, and they commanded the people, saying... When you see, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, now remember the Ark of the Covenant contains two tablets. The Ark of the Covenant contains two tablets. And so the, the officers or overseers are saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, covenant of the of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, You see, now, remember, remember, he says the priest, the Levites, bearing it, which is to carry, lift, raise, and exalt. Now, remember our study through Leviticus. Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan, remember? If you're listening for the first time, make sure you listen to our studies through Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Because we study the Torah through the lens of the new covenant and standing firmly on the rock of salvation. Which is Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment, the fulfillment of the law of Moses, the fulfillment of the promise unto Abraham, Jesus Christ. And we are heirs of Abraham by faith, a different blood, not biological blood, spiritual blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if you remember, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our studies through Leviticus, Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan, it's deeper. It's it's not just, well, you know, I'm just a warm body and I'm, you know, I'm a priest and I'm serving here in this capacity. No, 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 no. Now, that mindset enters hearts and minds, but not under Joshua. Remember we looked at, remember our study in Joshua 1? How we look at Joshua and, you know, we, we look at Joshua in Joshua 1. But with that understanding that he's not like the average bear. Also with the understanding that while he was with Moses, he wasn't the average cub. Why? Because Moses wasn't the average bear. We see similarities and parallels with Paul and Timothy and Paul and Titus. We have to understand the Old Testament from the lens of the new covenant. The old interprets the new, the new interprets the old, and we have the full counsel of the word of God. And so you see here in verse 3 how the the officers, they go throughout the camp and they say, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests the Levites, bearing it or exalting it or lifting and raising and carrying it. Now, when you see that happen, now it, it, there's a response. The people need to respond. And the overseers say to them, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. You shall set out from your place and go after it. Now, set out is to begin a journey, literally to pull out the tent tent pegs or the tent pins. That's how it translates. You shall set out to begin the journey or pull out the tent pegs. It's not just to aimlessly go over here, go over there, go over here, point A, point B. No, there is order. Not pull out your tent pegs and... Go, you know, wherever the heart desires. No, it's to pull out the tent pegs and follow, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the two tablets. Very important to keep in mind. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked and go off into a side study, but there are certain things that need to be said, and we have an opportune time right now. To set out, the Hebrew word is nasa, N-A-S-A, nasa. To journey, it's where NASA, the space organization, based their uh, uh, based their name out of to journey. Now you say like you know we're supposed to be studying jo- Joshua, and now you're talking about space. Well, the reason why we bring this up in opportune time, not in opportune, opportune time, is because what we're seeing today is the rise of anti-Semitism and conspiracy theories. And this is, you know, the world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. But it's entering the church. It is entering the mind of the saints. And a lot of times among these thoughts is the notion that Oh, NASA, you know, it's a government conspiracy. It's to deceive. And NASA in the Hebrew means to deceive. And very anti-Semitic or it leads to anti-Semitism. And they say, well, NASA means to deceive. And you get a lot of the flat earthers, the flat earth uh, ideology, which is a lie. And they say, well, NASA means to deceive. Well, in the Hebrew, nasha is to deceive. Nasha, it's like saying, uh, you know, if it's dark outside and somebody says, oh, it's bark outside. And you're like, what? What do you mean it's bark outside? And they say, oh, yeah, it's bark outside. Look, there's no light. I can't see very well. It's bark outside. You say, no, 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 no. That's a bee. That's what, you know, that's like what you see on trees, you know, tree bark or what a dog does. The dog barks. Uh, but dark, you need to flip that D around, you know, flip it on its, on its axis, so to speak, and turn it around. So instead of a B, it's a a, a D. Now it's dark outside. And so among these certain individuals, this rise of anti-Semitism that is entering the mind of the saint, they say, well, you know, NASA is to deceive. And so they base this on that. And it's the right, it's creeping in. It's creeping in. And they say, well, it's Nashai or or Nasa NASA means to deceive. No, it doesn't. Nasa is to journey. Nasha is to deceive. It's like, you know, oh, it's bark outside. No, no, no. You're using a B. You should be using a D. It's dark outside. You see, similar concept. Now, since we brought up the, we mentioned flat earthers, turn with me to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter one. Really quick little side study. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, we see here in verse 6, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the wind goes towards the south and turns around to the north. Now, how this translates in the Hebrew in verse 6, the wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. And how this translates is the wind goes towards the south and sabab in the Hebrew. Sabab in the Hebrew. And so we see here, sabab in the Hebrew is to revolve. And to revolve is to move in a circular orbit. And so we see here in verse 6, the wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. Or, the wind goes towards the south and revolves to the north. Now, if you have a globe, an orb, and you have your finger, say, like in, um, uh, 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 say, it's you put your finger on Greece, okay? And you put your finger on Greece, and you, you're on the globe, you know, this orb that's in front of you, and you put your finger on Greece, and you go south. You track down, just straight south. South, 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 south. Your finger goes down. South, 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 south. And finally, you're going to get to a point where you're so far south, but you keep going with your finger in the same direction. And what happens is that you're going to get to the bottom, And then the south is going to turn north on the other side. And that's what we see here in verse 6. The wind goes toward the south and sabab or revolves or which is to move in circular orbit to the north. It says the wind whirls about continually or sabab sabab, which is it keeps revolving. Now your finger that was on Greece, you go south, 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 and you're going to get so far south. That on the other side, it starts to go north. And you keep going the same direction. You're going to go north, 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 north on the other side of the globe. Greece is on the other side of you. And so you're going to keep going north, 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 north. And you're going to go so far north that all of a sudden, that same direction, it's going to turn into south. And then go south, south, south. Or yeah, south, south, south. And then boom, Greece again. And that's what the Bible says here in verse 6. Ecclesiastes chapter one. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually, which is sabab sabab, which is to keep revolving and comes again on its circuit, which is a roundabout circle. You see, this idea of the flat earth theory, it's part of a seduction to question origins. And then to also place blame on Jews. I've had lengthy conversations with certain conspiracy theorists. And it's very anti-Semitic. Oh, you know, the NASA means to deceive. And the Jews are like this. And the Jews are like that. And all the Jews are destroying the world and all this. And I get the idea. But understand... In the rise of the Antichrist spirit, it is anti-Jew and anti-Christian. And we're seeing the fruit of it, bad fruit, nasty fruit, evil fruit. We're seeing the rise of it enter the church. You see? And if that's you, if you're listening and you're caught up in that, I say unto you, come out of her, my people you you're deceived you see there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of destruction that's what the bible says and i get the idea of questioning the narrative in a lot of ways the questioning the narrative is beautiful it's healthy it's good i mean look at uh, look at the news i mean you watch the news and you know if you if you believe what you see in the news i mean it's it's certain that you're deceived You see, false narratives that we see in the news, false narratives that we see in so-called science, false narratives that we see in so-called medicine, especially in these last days. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And in a lot of ways, it's healthy to question the narrative. It's good to question the narrative. But when we we must also understand that the Bible is not narrative. The Bible is absolute truth. Absolute truth. And it's not to say that you can't question the Bible and tread lightly here. It's not to say that you can't question the Bible because the Lord says, come, let us reason together. That's what the Lord says. Come, let us, let us reason together. It's beautiful. What a beautiful invitation. Let us reason together. It's not to say that we can't question the Bible, but when we question the Bible, it can't be done As a rebellious teenager, it must be done as a curious five-year-old. You know, not, not, not to question the Bible like a rebellious 15-year-old, but rather as a beautifully curious five-year-old. Oh, what does the Bible say about this? You search the scriptures. Oh, here we go. It says this. What does the Bible say about this? Okay, you search the scriptures. Okay, beautiful. Wow, Lord, you're showing me. You're teaching me. Just like a beautiful five-year-old. You ever speak to a five-year-old and a beautiful five-year-old, you know? What does this mean? What does this mean? They're so curious. And then you give the answer. You know, here, here, this is what it means. But then have you ever spoken to a, a rebellious teenager? You see, you look at the five-year-old and the 15-year-old. Both are questioning. But then now you look at the heart. The 15-year-old is not just questioning, but more like, uh, 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 in a antagonistic, somewhat antagonistic. You know, c- uh, bucking authority. You see? And it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful to question scripture, but not like the 15-year-old rebel. More, not more, but as the curious five-year-old. Because remember, come, let us reason together. The Lord, it's beautiful. You know, you you read scripture and you're like, well, I I wonder about this. What what does the Bible say about X, Y, Z? And then you keep reading, you search the scriptures, and then boom, you find your answer. So it's beautiful to question. It's healthy to question narratives that we see in the news and media and uh, science and medicine, because these are tools that the Antichrist will use and the spirit of Antichrist is using today to question their narrative. But the Bible is not narrative. The Bible is the absolute truth, the word of God. Not to question the Bible like, remember the first question in the Bible came from Satan. Did God really say? Did God really say? Because there's the seduction behind it. Because what's happening in the church today, in these last days, is that people are getting accustomed to questioning the narrative, which is healthy. Questioning the narrative of the news and media and science and everywhere we go. But then at the same time, when we apply that concept and adapt to that methodology and we apply that to scripture now we must understand what is my heart what is your heart do we approach the bible in a skeptical mindset in order to disprove the bible or do we do so just like that beautiful child who questions and says mama papa what does this mean Mama, Papa, what does this mean? And Mama and Papa, give, you know, hey, baby girl, this is what it means. Baby girl, let me help you. Let me train you. But then you have, you know, the 15-year-old rebel. You know, Mom, Dad, how dare you do this? You know, you don't love me. You don't do this. And I'm going to do this. And they start questioning authority. But it's with a rebellious attitude. And we say this for a specific reason because you know you see like in the uh, to question the narrative. This is, these are things that you see in the early church. Now I don't I don't want to get overly off topic, but especially in Joshua chapter three. But these things must be said because it's entering the church. Now in the early church, when you when you follow the uh, the movements and uh, of the early church. And you follow the movements according to church history. What happened? The, the rise of the agnostics, which come, you remember, when we see like uh, uh, Simon, who in, in Acts chapter 8, you have Simon who believed in Jesus, except he didn't have the spirit. Remember, there were believers with uh, uh, Philip, the evangelist. There were people who believed in Jesus Christ, but they had not the spirit. John and Peter come to town. They realized that the spirit had not fallen on them. They lay hands and then boom, all of a sudden they received the spirit. So you have a group of Christians which did not have the spirit. Then you have these deadly Christians entered, uh, Peter and John. I say deadly, you know, if you've been walking with us for a while, you know what I mean when I say deadly. I don't mean deadly like in a bad way. I mean deadly in a good way. You have these deadly Christians enter, and then all of a sudden they lay hands, and the Spirit fall. the people who believed in Jesus Christ, without the Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit falls on them, except for one, Simon. Now, when you follow church history, what happened to Simon. From that point, remember, he didn't have the Holy Spirit. Why? Because of wickedness in his heart. Listen to our study through Acts 8. You'll understand more. But when you follow the movements of Simon from that point and what happened, this is according to church history. What happens is that you have the rise of influencers unto the Nicolaitans mentioned in the Bible whose deeds were evil. And not only that, the rise of the Gnostics, Gnosticism. And when you see in the early church, these Gnostics came back and they spoke like they were Christians. And then you start to sow the seeds of Catholicism, Roman Catholicism. You start to sow the seeds of Calvinism. Now, when I say Calvinism, this is pre-John Calvin, but I'm talking about uh, uh, like predestination certain ideologies about predestination certain ideologies which you know which you know we kind of prescribe to calvinism but there are earlier uh, semblances of this in the rise of gnosticism in the church and it all emanates from no spirit no spirit remember the spirit of the lord leads In the truth of God's holy word, another spirit will lead outside the truth of God's holy word. Now, this is all in accordance to church history. But it's very important to understand how these things can creep into the church and enter the church and enter the mind of the saint. And when it enters the mind of the saint, we get problems. That's how deception enters the church. That's how deception enters the church. And then a Christian, well-meaning Christian, a baby Christian, could all of a sudden be like, wow, you know, this guy, yeah, he believes in Jesus. But unbeknownst to them, he has no spirit. Oh, yeah, this guy believes in Jesus. So he says this is about Jesus and I'm going to believe what he says. Remember when Paul says, you know, I fear for you, Corinthians. Remember when he says, I fear for you because you might well put up with it. And what happened to the Christians is they were putting up with it. Look at Galatia. They put up with it, uh, uh, being seduced to return to the law. Righteousness doesn't come through the law. This is how the seduction enters the church. It's how it happens. And it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's going to continue to be, to, to grow worse. And you're seeing the rise of anti-Semitism inside the church among Christians. The world is the world. The rise of anti-Semitism, it's, it, it, it's, it, it, it's growing. But inside the church, the rise of the BDS movements inside the church, it's happening. Now, which is why, you know, if you're listening and you're Jewish, I love you. In me, you have a friend. I fully, fully understand, recognize, and agree that there's plenty, if you're Jewish, that there's plenty reason for you to be cautious of the Christian. Because you might in your mind think like, wow, Christians are crazy. I'm on board. I'm in agreement. There's a lot of false teaching out there which gives rise to uh replacement theology, which is alive from the pit of hell and these people who say you know uh, through uh replacement theology which has its roots in gnosticism which has its roots in no spirit you see but when we look at the truth of God's holy word which the spirit of the lord leads to the word of god genesis to revelation now in the, in, in with this rise of gnosticism in these last days you have these People who are basing their ideologies, they say, well, you know, I mean, take Simon, for example. He has no spirit. He goes away for several years and then all of a sudden enters and starts, you know, teaching and uh, teaching uh, uh, certain doctrines. Now, this is church history, but... What happens in with, with uh, uh, the rise of Gnosticism, now these people come back and they enter the church and they pull away from truth. The whole time, no spirit. The whole time, without the spirit. They have knowledge. Not biblical. I mean, they have biblical knowledge, but it's not knowledge as a gift of the spirit. It's more knowledge like the academics who have knowledge but they have no spirit. And when you have conversations and in a lot of ways debates and a lot of ways battles with these so-called Gnostics and they say, well, you know, the early church, you know, they were influenced by this and that and what they didn't realize. And, you know, yes, there's Paul, there's James and uh, uh, there's uh, Luke. And, you know, they know the Bible very well. Uh, and nine times out of 10, a servant of Satan. And they know the Bible very well. And then all of a sudden, they'll introduce a specific individual or a certain individual and say, well, this guy entered the church and they know church history, too. And they say, well, this guy knows the church. And, you know, he brought in these others, these other ideas from Eastern mysticism and, you know, this and that. And they start leading Christians, baby Christians, beautiful, beautiful baby Christians. All of a sudden, they figure, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then. They open themselves up to the pneumos. Remember, to to be open to the pneumos, you you better know what you're doing. I mean, you better be mature, not just mature, you better be deadly. You see, remember we studied that in Colossians? And these are things that are entering the church, but there are no teachers. Where are the pastors? Where in the world are the pastors? Where are the, the deadly saints to say, hold on a second? You bring up this guy, but this guy, where is the spirit? Where is the spirit of the Lord? Because it is also written. It is also written. It is also written. And when you have these debates, I mean, if you're mature or, you know, mature and or deadly, when you have these debates, I mean, you can go into like hundreds of it is also written. That's why Paul. He has a fear for the saints in Corinth. You know, I fear for you because you might well put up with it. And these are things that are entering the church, the rise of Gnosticism. And you look at the history of Gnosticism and its impact to the church. And that's where you get in the rise of, you know, what led to Roman Catholicism, which is unbiblical. Calvinism, which is unbiblical. Reformed theology, which is unbiblical. You see, everybody's oh Augustine, 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 Saint Augustine. Who is he? Influenced by the Gnostics. Oh, church history. Oh, church history. You oh, know, Augustine, Saint Augustine, Saint Augustine. You see, heavily influenced by. Catholicism, heavily influenced by the Gnostics, which have all, have its roots in people without the spirit. It's very important to understand. We have an example in these last days with the rise of the flat earth idea. But it's the same game. Nothing new under the sun. It's the same game. Satan will use any idea, any notion to seduce and pull people away from the truth of God's holy word. You see? Now, if you're a flat earther, I love you. I love you. It isn't to say like, you know, how dare you, how dare you, how dare you, you know, get out of here. It's to say like, listen, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Come back to Christ, the word of God. Genesis to Revelation. Don't be influenced by these ideas which can lead to other ideas. Now, Idea number one, to pull somebody away from truth, it doesn't stop with idea number one. It does not stop with, with idea number one. Satan is very skillful, very crafty. There's idea number two, idea number three, idea number four, idea number five, idea number six, on and on and on and on. And finally... The state of that person in idea number 10, 11, 12, 30, 50, the state of that person is worse than when when he first believed, is worse than when she first believed. It's the seduction of these last days. But there are no pastors. Where are the pastors? Where are the pastors to teach? Where are the pastors to protect? Where are they? I mean, they call themselves pastors, but where are they? You see, they call themselves shepherds. Why aren't they shepherding? Why is this happening inside the church? I mean, the world is the world. Corinth is Corinth, but I'm talking about among the saints. And so we give this example of, you know, uh, 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 NASA, because it, it, a little bit off topic. From Joshua 3, but very necessary to be said for such a time as this to understand, for us to understand how this seduction happens. Don't forget, Satan is a fisherman too. Don't forget, as we see the recon team of Joshua, Satan also has his recon team, his servants who present themselves as ministers of righteousness. They look like a pastor, they speak like a pastor but they're wolves. You see? Don't forget. I mean, we see Israel on offense. You see the war footing of Israel led by Joshua. Beautiful. The elders and everything's beautiful under Joshua. Under Moses, beautiful. Under Joshua, beautiful. But then at the same time, don't forget in war footing, there's defense, there's offense, but Satan has his spies as well. You see, you know, when when you're in a fight, you can be on offense. But don't forget, the other guy's on offense too, you know. Same thing. Spiritually speaking, saints of Jesus Christ, we're, we're we have a defensive footing. And fewer have an offensive footing. But don't forget, the opposing force, Satan, the demonic realm, They're an opposing force as well. And yet we have to be wise and have this understanding and know how this deception works. Because it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And already these seductions have entered the church. They're inside. You see? And I don't say these things to be harsh and like, you know, like, but remember, this is serious business. We're talking life and death. And forget this life. I'm talking about the life to come. We're talking about heaven and hell. Very important. The seduction. Satan's seduction. And we have to be wise. And so let's go to Joshua chapter 3. And in Joshua chapter 3, you know, we see here how... Uh, you know, the recon team, the recon team of Joshua, they come back, they give a sit rep, a situation report to Joshua. And then uh, uh, it, it we see here in verse 2, Joshua 3, verse 2. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it or exalting it and lifting it up, then you shall set out from your place Nasa. Nasa, not Nasha. Some you know Nasha or Nasar. Sometimes you know you see variations of Hebrew, but in the in the Hebrew, I might have said Greek earlier. If I said Greek earlier, I meant the Hebrew. Sorry about that. But you know, in in the Hebrew texts, uh Nasar, Nasha, different variations which have roots of uh, uh, to deceive and to seduce. Uh, but the Hebrew here for to journey is Nasa, N-A-S-A, Nasa, to journey. Literally means to pull out your tent pins. We're moving. It's beautiful here how these overseers in verse 2, these officers and overseers, and, you know, you look at the priests in verse 3, the, the Levites, and the command is given to the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant exalted. You see, it's to keep the eyes on the Ark. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It's an Old Testament example. Just like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Mishkan. To follow Paul, it is safe. And where is the Lord? I mean, to follow Paul, it is safe. To follow Peter, John, James, it is safe. Don't forget, Peter was not without correction too. Even he had some seductions corrected by Brother Paul. Don't forget. Remember our study in Galatians? To follow James, John, Paul, Titus, Timothy, Priscilla, Achilla. Safe. You see,
1: where is the Lord?
0: For Paul to say, Follow me as I follow Christ. Safe, beautiful, paradise. And I understand that anybody can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Anybody can say it. Anybody. And many people do say it. Follow me as I follow Christ. But understand, the formula's got to be right. We stress very, a lot. We stress it a lot. Formula, 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 formula. In all sorts of different vessels. I mean, if you've been walking with us for a while, you understand. Because we've been mentioning it for a while. Formula, 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 formula. You're probably sick of hearing me say formula, formula, formula. But there's a reason. You see? Remember in the Thessalonican saints, the Thessalonian saints... Headed for the hills. You know, First Thessalonians, they read Paul's first letter. They read Paul's first letter and they're like, oh my goodness. I mean, definitely room to, to have the oh my goodness mindset because it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, uh, prophecies about the last days, the return of Jesus Christ, and, you know, uh, uh, uh Thelipsis. Remember, we were made for Thelipsis. We were kamai for Thelipsis. We're made for this. We're made for tribulation and persecution. And it's like, oh my goodness. And what the saints did is they... Headed for the hills and, you know, we're just going to camp out here and do our communal living and wait for the return of Jesus. And then the Lord says, Paul, write them again. Write them a second letter. Write them a second letter. Because they've adapted and adopted themselves to this doctrine of imminency, that the return of Jesus is imminent. So Paul, okay, Lord, writes a letter. Fully understanding and acknowledging, yes, I know this teaching is going forth. But not from us. We never told you that. We never told you that. I wonder who it was. Who was it inside the camp? Not outside. Inside the camp. Who was it that was spreading this teaching of imminency? Paul said, listen, Paul was Sylvanus and Timothy. That wasn't us. I know what's going forth. I know what's out there, but that ain't us. We never taught you that. I never taught you that. Remember, the living will by no means precede the dead. Who was it? Maybe it was, I meant just to pick a number, maybe it was a couple guys. Maybe it was one guy who was very influential. Maybe it was 10 guys who were very in- influential. Why were they influential? This is inside the church. Oh, yes, Jesus Christ, his return is imminent, 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 imminent. The doctrine of imminency. Maybe it was 20 guys. I mean, it could have started with five guys, but then it blew up to everybody, the whole church, because communal living on the hillside, waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, whose return is imminent, according to what they heard. Paul writes a letter, 2 Thessalonians. That's not us. We never told you that. You see? Now, not just where did this teaching come from and where did it... We know where it came from, spiritually speaking, but not just who was the vessel that was used, but even the vessel that it was used in. Even this person who became an influencer because it spread, this person himself was seduced. You see? The person himself was seduced. And that's how seduction works. But when you have a profound love of truth, you'll be safe. But where are the teachers to teach? Where are the pastors to shepherd? Where are the pastors to teach and to shepherd and to protect? Wolf comes, wolf dies. Where are they? Metaphysically speaking, I'm not saying, you know, false teacher comes and you kill him. But metaphysically speaking, wolf's got to die. Spiritually speaking, you know, not, you know, like physical, literal death. The Lord will take care of that. If not in this life, the life to come. You see, vengeance is his, not ours. Vengeance is his. You see? And here we see that very same thing, an Old Testament example of follow me as I follow Christ. But everybody has their eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Because the overseers, the officers, they're saying, when you see, in verse 3, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the priests and the Levites, you know, Abodah, Abodah, Mishkan. And when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, you got, and the priests, the Levites, Bearing it or lifting it, raising it, exalting it. You see? Then you follow. Who is it that exalts Jesus Christ? The real Jesus Christ, whose word is above his name. Remember the disciples, they asked Jesus Christ, what are the signs of your coming? He lists many signs, Matthew 24, he lists many signs, but at the same time, he says that there will be many Christs propagated by many false teachers, false prophets, and many Christs. Lowercase c, not the Christ, many Christs. That's why we say the real Jesus. Sometimes people get like, what do you mean the real Jesus? I mean, the real Jesus, as the word says, whose word is above his name. Because a fake Jesus will say, hey, go ahead, take the mark of the beast, they'll still be saved. A fake Jesus will say, let's go grave soaking. A fake Jesus will say, oh, God is done with Israel. A fake Jesus will call the spirit glitter. But where is it that the Lord is exalted? The real Lord, the real Jesus. And where you see that, follow You see, just like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. These overseers in the camp of Israel, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and Levites bearing it or exalting it or lifting it or carrying it, then you shall set out from your place. Then you shall nasa from your place, which is to journey or to pull out the tent pins. Now we're moving. You see, it's not just like, well, you know, it's a little, I, I don't like the weather over here. So I'm going to pull up my tent pins and, you know, go to Barbados. I'm, I, I don't like the weather over here. So I'm going to pull up my tent pins and go over here where there's, you know, nice golf courses. I'm going to go over here where, you know, uh, whatever. Where is the Lord? You see, sounds doctrine. An Old Testament example of, just like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Doing that with Paul, safe. Doing that with Timothy, safe. Doing that with Titus, safe. Understand how seduction comes in. I mean, you have the seduction of, uh, uh just like we see in Thessalonian letters, our study through Thessalonians. The seduction of the doctrine of imminency. You know, not necessarily how it crept in, but the fact of the matter is it crept in. Paul, Sylvanus, Timothy, that wasn't us. That's not us. We told you guys. That wasn't us. But we see other attacks. One of, you know, flat earth entering the church. The whole purpose is to deceive. I mean, just like we see in Old Testament, New Testament, The whole purpose is to be right with God for people. To be right with God. I don't care Jew, Greek. You know, I don't care what color. I don't care what shape. I don't care what age. I don't care. But to be right with God. The opposite of that. Servants of Satan. Ministers of... They present themselves like ministers of righteousness, but they're really servants of Satan. Sudedelfos. Remember our study in Galatians? The whole purpose... Is to be wrong with God. You see? And now you see spiritual warfare. And it just so happens that we're going to enter, it just so happens, it just so happens that we're going to be entering the pastoral epistles in our Sunday studies. And it's hardcore. Pastor to pastor, hardcore. Pastor Paul to Pastor Timothy, hardcore. Pastor Paul to Pastor Titus. It's hardcore. We must have this understanding, and so we see here in verse four that you know, you know, when, when you see the ark exalted among the the Levite's men, the officers, the, the 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 overseers that are giving these instructions to the people. Then you shall set out from your place or pull out the tent pins and go after it. Follow, he says in verse four. Now, remember. We see overseers of both flesh and spirit in the officers and the priests. The instruction is, you know, the ark is exalted and pull up the tent pins and follow. And so understand formula. Just as, you know, we stress in our studies in the Old and New Testament, formula, formula, formula. Remember, this is a different Israel. This is Israel that was formerly influenced by Korah. And we see what happened with how the Lord responded with Korah. You see? And then all of a sudden we get to verse 4. In following, yet there shall be a space between you and it. space, which is a gap of distance and also a gap of time. Very interesting what we see. Remember how the law is a shadow of the things to come? Points to Christ. Very beautiful. You see, in the days of Jesus' his earthly ministry, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, I could understand a skepticism, not a bad skepticism, but a skepticism to test the spirits. And maybe skepticism is the wrong word to use. I'm not, you know, my vocabulary isn't like humongous. So I just say skepticism. But I don't mean skepticism like, you know, the the petulant 15 year old, you know, rebel. I mean skepticism in terms of questioning like the beautiful, curious five year old. Because a Pharisee, not confronting Christ, that that might be the wrong word to use, but coming to Christ with the understanding of Torah, with an understanding of the prophets, the poetic verses, but a Pharisee with that knowledge base, and not to boast, not to say like, wow, look how knowledgeable this guy is. Wow, he's so cool. No, nothing like that, which was pride, which was very evident in the priests in the days of Jesus. I could understand a Pharisee just knowing his job to protect the flock, so to speak. But knowing his job to make sure that people are right with the Lord. And then all of a sudden the prophesied Messiah is on the scene. And in order to protect the flock, to make sure that, you know, that this Messiah who's on the scene better be the Messiah that aligns with the Old Testament. Better be the Messiah that aligns with Torah and the The prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets better be the the Messiah who aligns with the the poetic verses. Everything must align and align perfectly. Not a little bit here, not a little bit there. All of it. It all must align. And I could understand that questioning from the Pharisee. I want to say skepticism, but it's not. It's not a skepticism that has a closed door. It's a skepticism with an open door. And so all of a sudden, the religious leaders, the scribes, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they should have been the ones to put two and two together and then all of a sudden, instead of killing Jesus, they should have been the ones to bow down and worship him and tell the people the Messiah is here. But you know what's so powerful is that through... The knowledge that they had, you know, look at the pride, look at the arrogance. They were blind. Blind. The religious establishment, they were blind. What about the religious establishment of these last days? Blind. Where are the teachers? Where are the pastors? Where is the exaltation of Jesus, the real Jesus, whose word is above his name? In accordance to his word. And so yet we see here in verse 4, Yet there shall be a space between you and it. Remember, a gap of distance, space, or time. Very beautiful. Especially as New Covenant believers understanding that the law points to Jesus Christ. Now you see the spiritual implications of this space of time. In this Nasa of Israel. If you're Jewish, I love you. I love you. There are plenty reason for, if you're Jewish, plenty reason for you to be very cautious with Christians. I mean, I even tell Christians, be very cautious with Christians. It sounds like kind of counterintuitive, but... We're in the last days, we're not in Kansas anymore. I mean, it used to be where somebody comes to Christ and you're like, wow, you know, you know, go to church. You can't say that anymore. You can't say, Wow, you know, you're a Christian, God bless you, go to church. Because where they go to church, the formula better be right. The new believer doesn't under it doesn't understand the formula. We're not in Kansas anymore. Different ballgame. So we see here in verse 4, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, or, you know, like about 1,000 yards. And he says, Do not come near it. Do not come near it. Remember, we look back on these passages from the lens of the New Covenant. We are New Covenant believers. And understand, if, you, if you've if you been walking with us for a while, you remember our study through Romans, how in the law is death. In the law is death. Because through the law comes the realization of sin. You see, and the wages of sin is death. Very important to remember. There's a reason why there's very, very major restrictions on certain things in the law. And I don't mean to say things like, you know, in a disrespectful way. I mean things as things, such as the Ark of the Covenant. He says, do not come near it. These are the overseers or the officers who are giving these instructions to Israel. He says, do not come near it that you may know the way, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. See, in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, you know, don't touch, don't come near. The Ark, you know, don't don't touch, don't come near. Very specific blueprints for the high priest. Within the priesthood, even within the priesthood there's very specific instructions but within the priesthood uh, of the kohanim even more you know hardcore restrictions on you know uh, for the high priest old covenant new covenant it's no longer don't touch don't come near it's deeper it's come inside you see To abide in Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ says, abide in me. No period. He says, abide in me and I in you. Much deeper. Now you understand this distance, this span of distance of space and time. A little bit deeper. We see here in verse 5, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves or consecrate yourselves. Remember, just as we studied in Colossians, a little bit in in Thessalonians 2. You take a shower. You're not the water. You're not the soap. You're not the shampoo. You're not the conditioner. But we still have a role to play. You see? You take a shower. You're not the soap. You're, you're not the water. You're not the soap. But you still have something to do, which is get inside. Get inside the shower. You see? Sometimes people have this idea, well, yo, we have no role in sanctification. It's all there. I believe in the finished work of the cross. Okay. I believe in the finished work of the cross too. But at the same time, understand Jesus isn't done. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the office, uh, the, 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 the author and completer of our faith because there is a coming a time where we will need faith no more. There will be no need for faith. There is an end of faith. But that's in our glorified bodies. When we see Jesus Christ face to face. Today, you and me, it takes faith to believe. Faith is required. But there is coming a time when we won't need... I mean, if you and I were to meet, we shake hands, we hug, you know, I love you, God bless you, brother, God bless you, sister. It's... We touch, we can... Face to face, it's it's, it's going to be beautiful in our glorified bodies. There's no need for faith anymore. But not yet. Not yet. We need faith. Faith is the only way because it leads and blows up to more beautiful things. See, a lot of times people say, oh, you, you don't do anything for sanctification. That's like saying, you know... The shower is five feet away from you, and you're standing there. It's like, oh, you know, you don't do anything to take a shower, and you're standing there five feet away from the shower. You're already clean. You're already clean. I mean, you just, you know, had a hard day's work. You've been working on the farm. You got mud all over, and it. it's like, you know, you're standing five feet away from the shower. The water is there. The soap is there. The shampoo is there. You're standing five feet away from the shower. It's like, oh, you don't have to do anything to get cleaned. You're already cleaned. I believed in the finished work of the shower. Hold the phone there. You got to get inside. You got to get inside. Once you're inside, the water, the soap, the shampoo, boom, you come out clean. There is a role we play to sanctification. There is a role for you and me in sanctification. Sanctification in the shower you see and Joshua said to the people in verse 5 sanctify yourselves or consecrate yourselves you see Old Testament New Testament there is a role to play there is a job to do faith without works is dead I'll say that again and I'm just echoing the words of beautiful beautiful brother James faith Without works is dead. And so we see here, Joshua said, to the people, sanctif- or Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. See, promises unto Abraham. They're about to be fulfilled en masse. I mean, they've, there's you've already seen fulfillment already. But en masse, major, major fulfillment because they're about ready to enter the land of milk and honey. You see, even for, I mean, here we are in the camp of Israel. And they're about ready to cross the Jordan River. But the the same river that John the Baptist baptized in, the same river that our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized in. But then at the same time, to understand that, just... Two weeks prior to this moment, I mean, in the camp of Israel, or two weeks prior, two months prior, two years prior, two decades prior. To lean on the promises of God required faith. You see? And now we're at the moment of actual fulfillment. There's already been fulfillment in other promises, This is en masse. There's already fulfillment when you look deeper, but it's the same for you and me today. I mean, we just studied in our Sunday studies. If you've been walking with us, you know, we have our first Thessalonians, second Thessalonians and very prophetic passages there about future events. But there's coming a time when we will. I mean, today we reflect on the passages of passages of Thessalonians and it's forward looking. But there is coming a time when the passages of Thessalonians will be reverse looking. Because they will be fulfilled. We will be in our glorified bodies. You see, there will be the reward for those who abide in Christ. We will be in our glorified bodies. And we will, the prophecies of First Thessalonians, the prophecies of Second Thessalonians, They're going to be in the rearview mirror. Today, they're, you know, forward in the windshield, but way... Not way, but like, you know, 2,000 years ago, way in the future. But, you know, now, not they're in the future, but not way in the future. They're closer. Much closer. Much, much closer. But they're in the windshield. I mean, not in the windshield, but beyond looking beyond the windshield. But there is coming a time when the very prophecies that we studied in Thessalonians will be in the rear view mirror. It will come to pass. And look at Israel. Very similar, if not the exact same. Where two weeks ago, two months ago, two years ago, two decades ago, the promises unto Abraham, it required faith. Required faith to believe that it will come to pass. And right here, Right now, it's coming to pass. I mean, not right now, not just yet, but it's in the process of coming to pass in Joshua 3. How beautiful is this to see the reward for faith? I mean, when you're crossing the Jordan River, you don't need faith anymore. You don't need faith that, you know, we're going to enter the promised land because it's happening in real time. I mean, Joshua 3, real time. It's going to be the same for you and me. The exact same when you and when we pass over into the promised land. And I speak of paradise. And so we see here in verse 6. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. Remember, there's a space in verse 4. There shall be a space between you and it. There's this gap. And so Joshua is saying uh, 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 to cross over before the people. So the priests they respond, so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. You see, they went before the people. We'll cover this more in later studies. Depending on how deep we get into the 70th week of Daniel, we'll study this more in future studies. In verse 7, we see, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you or magnify you. Now, it's not exalting like in a carnal sense. It's exalting like he's the leader. Joshua is the leader. You see? Now, when we see, when we say Joshua is the leader, we must look back on the prior obedience of Joshua. Listen to our study. If you haven't heard Joshua 1, there's a very specific formula in the heart, in the mind of Joshua. You see? A profound love of the Lord. A profound love of truth in Joshua. I meant, when Israel was defiled, who wasn't? Moses and Joshua. You see? When Israel was defiled, who wasn't? Moses and Joshua. 2 men team. Beautiful. Beautiful in, in them, but, you know, ugly in the rest. But... Look at the beauty of repentance. Because... Aaron, who fashioned the golden calf, became high priest. You see? Even with Moses and Joshua, they come down, okay, you know, Aaron, let's get you cleaned up. I mean, it wasn't that, it wasn't like, you know, let's get you cleaned up. There was it, it was pretty hardcore. Because Aaron, through his disobedience, caused Israel to be in a state of filth. Moses even called him on it and said, because of you, Aaron, you are the one who permitted this. They're in a state that is bad before the Lord, but it's because of you, Aaron. Talk about pastoral responsibilities. You see? It's not just say, hey, "I'm gonna, I want to feel good about myself. I think I'm going to be a pastor. No, 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 no. The Lord must build the house. You see? And so at the same time, we see here that, you know, uh, 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 in verse 7, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. Because in Deuteronomy 31, Moses passed on leadership to Joshua. He passed on leadership to Joshua, but now what the Lord is saying to Joshua is, I'm going to show the people That I'm with you. Because Moses says, okay, Joshua, he's in in command. Joshua, he's the next leader. And the people receive it based on what Moses says. But now Moses is gone. And now it's Joshua. And now the Lord is going to say, Joshua, he's my guy. You See? The Lord is going to show it. And it's not exaltation of Joshua in a carnal sense. Understand his past obedience. Understand his past humility. You see? And so we see this day in verse 7, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know, that they may know, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Very specific blueprints and instructions are being given to Joshua. Just like blueprints and instructions that were given to Moses. Very specific in accordance to the Word of God. Very specific. But there are very specific blueprints and instructions given in the Word of God that pastors need to teach. You see, the whole purpose is not to exalt the pastor or the teacher. It's so that the people can be right with God. Guided by the Lord. Old Testament, New Testament, we see the exact same formula. The exact same method and methodology. Modality. The exact same. Same God. You see. He never changes. We look at verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. See, he I love this. He doesn't say like, by this you shall know that I am awesome. By this you shall know that, oh, look how God is, you know, exalting me and I am awesome. No, you don't see that. He says, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. And that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites. Without fail, he says. Now, remember, we make very specific mention and reiteration of formula, 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 formula. Because the Canaanites, they instilled fear in the previous generation of Israel. You know, some of the parents of these very people here in Israel. Grandparents of these very people. The Canaanites, they were huge. They were huge. Oh my goodness, look his 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 uh, bicep is the size of my torso. This guy is huge. And Lord, do you want us to go fight these guys? And the previous generation, they were scared. And in their fear, they were disobedient to the Lord. And 11 days became 40 years. Remember the Lord is reactionary. He disciplines those whom he loves. Just like the New Testament teaches us as New Covenant believers, if we are without chastisement we are illegitimate Translates says if we were if we are without chastisement we are bastards that's how it translates some translations even say it, bastards i don't want that i don't want that for any of us myself included we're in the same boat i don't want that for you i don't want that for me i don't want that for us you see but this generation in the camp of Israel. The living God is among you, and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. You see, victory after victory after victory after victory. Very specific formula. Today, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect no victory after no victory after no victory after no victory why where's the formula where's the blueprints Give people who are teaching who have no business teaching you see oh go ahead and take the mark of the beast you'll still be saved oh this guy oh is is molesting children oh that's okay he could still be an elder Oh, what's that? He gets a 20-year sentence in prison? Oh, that's okay. We'll help him in his prison ministry. Fools. Oh, this guy's beating on his wife? Wife, you have to submit. Oh, this guy is uh, having sex with a child, a four-year-old girl? This guy is doing his sexual things with a four-year-old girl? Well, wife, it's your fault because you let yourself go. Wickedness, wickedness, wickedness. It's happening. It's happening. Yes, that these events that we see in the church today, very ugly. Very ugly. Disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. But what do you expect among the carnal? What do you expect from those sans spirit? What do you expect on those from those without the Holy Spirit? What do you expect? They have not the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit of the Lord guides in the truth of God's holy word. The Holy Spirit. But there is an unholy spirit that leads away from the word of God. And it's a spirit of Satan. Spirit of Antichrist. Spirit of Jezebel see I've had long conversations with the feminists oh there's no such thing as the spirit of Jezebel really we have a Jezebel in the Old Testament we have a Jezebel in the New Testament how is that accomplished how is that accomplished same lady no it's of the spirit spirit of Jezebel which is satanic There are unholy spirits. But when you open yourself up to the pneumos, remember our study in Colossians? You open yourself up to the pneumos, you better be mature. And of the mature, you better be deadly. Because that's a serious fight when you open up to the pneumos. That's a very serious fight. A lot of Christians today, they're babies. And I don't mean that like, you know, like, you know, uh, you're a baby, how dare you. But I mean that like, you know, we have to be honest. Remember our study all through First Corinthians on up through, you know, our study in the New New Testament. We have to be very brutally honest with ourselves. You know, you have to admit, you know, to, to admit that you're a baby. If, 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 if you don't have the understanding of a mature Christian, you have to be honest with yourself. Brutally honest. Why is that? Now, if you became a Christian today or yesterday or last week, last month, that's beautiful that means you're a baby for a reason but if you're without understanding and you've been a christian for five years 10 years 20 years be brutally honest because it it, pride these are things that the enemy can use as a foothold oh how dare you call me a baby i've been in the church for 20 years for 30 years but i don't know about spiritual warfare well you're a baby. Christians who've been in church for over 30 years, and I know Christians in this exact situation who've been in church for over 30 years and have never, ever, ever heard about the mark of the beast. Christians, they believe in Jesus. And have never, ever heard nor read about the mark of the beast. Now, we can look at the pastor and be like, okay, where in the world do you go to church? That's not a pastor. Because he doesn't teach. And there are pastors who I know who refuse to teach the book of Revelation. Because it's too judgmental. I don't want to hurt people's feelers. So I'm not going to teach Revelation. It's too hardcore. If I teach, then people will leave. And that's why you have people, Christians, who do not know anything about the mark of the beast. Because they have pastors. So-called pastors who refuse to teach the book of Revelation. You see? Too judgmental. And a lot of times the pastors don't even know. So they don't even touch on Revelation. And I... Not to say this is permissible. But... A hundred years ago, fifty years ago, not that I could understand it, but in, to a certain degree, I, not to suggest that it's permissible, but I could barely, very barely understand it. I don't like it. I mean, you know, fifty years ago, if we were having this conversation, I'd say, listen, you know, stay away from that pastor. But today, in these last days, I absolutely say, listen, stay away from that guy. Oh, he's not a guy. It's a lady. My pastor's a lady. Oh, stay away. Formula, 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 formula. We're living in a time where inside the church, Christians, Christians, no victory. Oh, I'm under attack, I'm under attack, I'm under attack. Well, what's the problem? Well, I did my sex, I did my drugs, I did my alcohol. It's like, wait a second, you call it attack, but you ran to that. Remember, it just so happens, it just so happens, we studied this on Sunday, habitual sin. Habitual sin. And the Bible says, where you see habitual sin, separate. That's what the Bible says. Listen to our study through, through uh, 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 Thessalonians. You'll understand Second Thessalonians. You'll understand. Oh, that's too hardcore. That's too hardcore. I know. I know it is. But then you see Christians, no victory. Why? There's a reason. Remember, listen to our study through Deuteronomy 28. The Lord is reactionary. He responds to obedience. He responds to disobedience. He responds to belief. He responds to unbelief. He responds to wickedness. He responds to righteousness. He responds to repentance. And when you understand that framework I'm hesitant to say framework, but i say framework of obedience or lack thereof. Because I don't want to put God in a box. No one can do that. But when you understand that framework of obedience and disobedience, you understand why there is no victory in the Old Testament. You understand why there is no victory in the New Testament. You understand why there is no victory maybe in your life. And I tell you from experience, from losing fights, spiritually. Spiritually, carnally, I didn't lose very many. Spiritually, I lost a lot. I tell you these things from experience. There is a better way. There is victory absolutely in Christ. And it's not just, you know, sometimes you hear people say, Oh, there's victory in Christ. There's victory in Christ. And they themselves are the crackheads. Oh, there's victory in Christ. You see priests or pastors. Oh, there's victory in Christ. Victory in Christ. They're doing the sex, the drugs, the alcohol. That's hypocrisy. That's defunct. Do not follow. But there is absolutely 100% victory in Christ. There is joy in Christ. There is healing in Christ. 100%. But the real Jesus, whose word is above his name. You see? And we're going to see in the camp of Israel, they're going to have victory after victory after victory, just straight up. The previous generation, they were afraid of the Canaanites. And then all of a sudden, we're going to see, just like in verse 10, that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergazites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. You're going to see just straight up victory after victory after victory. It's like, oh my goodness. Who are these people? This is Israel, the people of God. This is Israel. The people of God under the leadership of Joshua, hardcore. Victory after victory after victory. And it's beautiful. But then what happens when Joshua dies and the elders die? And the next generation who do not know the Lord. And then you're going to see Loss after loss after loss after loss. No more victories. That's what happens. Because the formula gets messed up. You know what? I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelers. I love you. The exact same thing happens in the church today. There is absolute victory in Christ. But the formula has got to be right. Oh, that's works-based. That's works-based. No, it isn't, my friend. That is obedience-based. Faith without works is dead. Oh, I believe in the finished work of the cross. I believe in the finished work of the cross. and So do I. But God's not done. Just like the shower. You're dirty. You're filthy. You're not the water. You're not the soap. You're not the shampoo. You're not the condition. But you got to get in. You see? And so we see here in verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Again, I stress, as we get deeper into the 70th week, we're going to cover certain verses a lot more. verse 12, Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord. The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. And this is to stand as a uh, mounding wave. So you see here in verse thirteen that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream. So, geographically speaking, from up from north to south, you see, uh, 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 you, you get like the mountains of Lebanon. Remember, we just studied that a couple of weeks. White Mountain, the White Mountain. And when you're in Israel, I've only seen this in pictures and videos, and it is breath. Taking it is so beautiful to see the snow-capped mountains and then you turn around and you look or you know the camera turns around if you've been there you know praise the lord it's awesome it's beautiful breathtaking gorgeous but then you turn around or you know from my perspective you know the camera turns you know and it takes up you see the ocean the, the sea there and it's beautiful But from Lebanon uh, to the Sea of Galilee, which empties into the Dead Sea. And you see here, he says that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters that come down from upstream and they shall stand as a heap. This is like as a uh, mounding wave. Verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. Remember, there's a, a gap. A space. That's like we see in verse 4. A space between you and it. About 2,000 cubits by measure. We see in verse 15. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. And look what happens here in verse 16. That the waters which came down from upstream... Stood still and rose in a heap, which is like a a piling wave, very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaretan. Just as the Lord dried the waters with Moses, he's doing it again with Joshua. You see? Fulfillment of the very thing that the Lord just told Joshua in verse 7. This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And now you see it's happening. Real time. It is happening i love this so much this real-time instruction this real-time fulfillment the lord does this number it's so powerful to understand. Remember, like when 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 Paul had a dream, the Macedonian call. He has a dream. He shares it with the entourage, that those that are with them, and you know they conclude that it's the spirit of the Lord in this vision that the Macedonian call. You know to go into you know Asia Minor, and the spirit of the Lord says, no, don't go there. Go to Macedonia. Real time instruction. Pulling up the pins, okay? We want to go here and so we're going to go to sleep and pray about going here. And you know, the Lord gives a vision. No, don't pull your pins and go that direction. Pull your pins and go that direction. Beautiful. Real-time instruction real-time fulfillment and just as the Lord says to Joshua you know uh, uh, the, the, uh this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel verse 7 that they may know that as I was with Moses so I will be with you and now you have the fulfillment of the very thing that he said in verse 16. the waters which came down and you know the 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 the, 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 the Israel passed on dry ground with Moses Israel passing on dry ground with Joshua See? And upstream the waters rose and stood still very far away in verse 16. At Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So further north, the waters heaped. You see? At Adam, next to a city, which means to pierce. Very interesting. Remember, we look at these passages. Standing on the rock of the new covenant, which is Jesus Christ, fulfillment of the law, fulfillment of the promise. Listen to our study through Galatians, you'll understand more. And we know as new covenant believers who was pierced. Turn with me really quick to First Corinthians chapter 15. And in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse forty five. And so it is written the first man Adam Adam, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life, a life giving spirit. Speaks of Christ. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. This is when a soul becomes born again. You and me, formed in our mother's womb. You see? Formed in our mother's womb. The Lord putting the bones and the sinews together forming us in our mother's womb and we're born in a natural sense exiting the womb. We're born. But there's more. You know, we're born, we're a baby, we learn to crawl, we learn to walk, we learn to run, we learn to jump and, you know, at some point there's a secondary birth. Is to be born again. You see? And that's what happens when a soul is born again. Born of the natural, into the natural. And then born of the spirit, unto the spirit. That's what we see in verse 46. However, the spiritual... Is not first. It's not you know you're you're in the womb and you're a Christian, you know you're you're not in the womb a uh, 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 believer in Jesus Christ. Despite what the Calvinists teach, I mean you look at like you know uh, uh, like the old school Calvinism, you know the neo Calvinism. They're kind of off base. I mean old school Calvinism is off base, but the neo Calvinists they're off base big time because they've detracted. It just gotten worse because they've detracted from. The original heresy and their heresy today is even deeper. And so, but when you look at the old school and what happens is like, you know, if if you're in a house of the elect in accordance to John Calvin, you're in the house of elect. Everybody that a woman gives birth to in that home, in that marriage, in that structure, everybody that a, a lady gives birth to is automatically a Christian. Automatically. That's in accordance to a false doctrine. That's in accordance to heretical teaching. I mean, look at Calvinists, look at Reform Theory. Look at people today that are entrapped in Calvinism, the, the thought of Calvinism and Reform Theory. And you know, you don't you might might not see it in their children in like, you know, under age eight. You might not see it in their children at under age eight. But then the 8-year-old becomes 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And then you see something in the 15-year-old. You see something in the 12-year-old even. You see something as they grow all of a sudden, you know, 22 years old. 22 years old, the person's all of a sudden baby girl who was a sweet baby girl at age 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. At age 22, now she's a rebel. Rebellious to authority Worse, the authority of the truth of scripture You see Like a hardcore liberal Feminist You know No longer believes in Jesus Christ And all of a sudden You know All kinds of You know every Everything That implies But according to Calvinism She's still a Christian. She's still of the elect. Why? Because she was born of elect. It's a lie. You see? And that's what's so, you could be in any church. You can be in the Catholic church. You can be in the Lutheran church. You can be in the Methodist church. You can be in, you know, New Age church. You can be anywhere. But when you have a profound love of the truth, a profound, you read the scriptures, not with the evil skepticism to buck the scriptures, but with the skepticism that is curious, just not like the 15-year-old rebel, but like the 5-year-old curious, beautiful creature And when you have a profound love of the truth, remember, the Word of God is spiritually discerned. The Lord knows. He he tests the hearts, tests the minds. He knows. He knows the heart. Male, female, young, old, I don't care. He knows the heart. And by His Spirit, the Word of God is spiritually discerned. Remember, the Holy Spirit guides in the truth of God's Holy Word. He will show you. He will teach you. And then all of a sudden you realize you could be in like new age church, you know, Pastor Jennifer, you'd be in new age church and you have a profound love of truth. And as you grow, as you mature, you're going to realize like, oh, my goodness, I shouldn't be here. I'm going to jump ship. You could be in Calvinist church and all of a sudden they start teaching about election and start saying you know the uh, uh, babies born are automatically christians they're automatically believers and all you know all and you're like oh well, wait a second how come my 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 16 year old she's crazy you know why is it that my 17 year old's you know sexually active why is it that my you know my 15 year old boy is of doing the occult and all kinds of different things why because if you tell me pastor if you tell me pastor that they're automatically of the elect i don't see election in disobedience And when you have a profound love of truth, you grow, you understand, and you know the spirit knows. All of a sudden you realize I gotta jump ship. I'm out of here. You see? And sometimes I have these conversations with Christians who are like, oh, you know, I I feel bad about leaving church. Well, let's let's look at your church. Who's the pastor? It's this lady, okay? Wrong formula. So let's put to the side, it's it's wrong, but she's female. It's, it's wrong, but, you know, let's put that, put that on the list of the wrong side. You know, have a piece of paper, you put wrong, right. Female, wrong side. Now what is being taught? She's Calvinist, okay? Wrong side. She's new age, okay? Wrong side. What the, doesn't matter. She's on her third marriage. a husband hasn't died. Okay, wrong. Everything You look at the formula. Formula, formula, formula. All this wrong. It's like, you see all this wrong and you feel bad about jumping ship? No, feel good about jumping ship. Feel beautiful about jumping ship. Feel bad for them. Because that's the path of destruction. You could be in any church. You could be Methodist. You could be Lutheran. You could be Episcopal. You could be Calvinist. You could be Reformed. You could be Presbyterian. You could be Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel today, crazy. Crazy. Look at Neo-Calvinism, which is entering the church. Oh, we're non-denominational. That's nice. Sounds like you are denominational by what you speak, what you teach. Oh, we're non-denominational. No, you're not. That sounds awfully like, like, a lot like the denomination, which is still unbiblical. You see, it used to be somebody comes to Christ, you could say, well, you know, go to church, go to church, go to church. You can't say that anymore. You cannot say a person is a baby and go to church, go to church. You can't, you can't tell this person. You have to be very specific. Go to this church of this fellowship. You see? Very perilous times that we live in today. And so we see here in verse 7. The first man. Or, or in, in verse 46. Still in 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 46. However, the spiritual is not first. But the natural. That's you and me. We're born of our mothers. And you know. We've we're, 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 we come out of the womb. And we're born the natural man, the natural woman. And we're born, I mean, if you're male, man. If you're female, woman. That's how we're born. in the natural, according to the natural, born into Adam, first generation. And then, still in verse 46, and afterward, the spiritual. And that's what happens when a soul is born again. When a person believes in Jesus Christ and receives him as his Lord and Savior and receives him as her Lord and Savior. If that's you, hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ, and you commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. You're wishy-washy, you've been lukewarm, repent, hit pause, listen to the message, commit your life to Jesus. How to commit your life to Christ, and you commit your life to Jesus Christ. You see? You've been seduced into, you know, the flat earth and all the, you know, all flat earth and Nasa and, you know, Nasha and all, you know, anti-Israel, anti-Jew. Oh, it's a Jewish conspiracy to rule the earth. And all of a sudden, this rise of anti-Semitism, it's growing in your heart. Replacement theology. Repent. Repent. Understand, the branch doesn't support the root. The branch does not support the root. Romans 11. You see? There's a seduction. It's Satan knows what he's doing. It's the Christians. We're the ones that don't know. You see? To be a milk drinker, it's beautiful, but let's grow from there. Let's move on to perfection. Now I you know I you you, you hear me mention the you know Episcopal, Methodist, Lutheran, Calvinist, Catholic, or, uh, Neo-Calvinism, Reform. It's like, well, who is this guy? Who who does he come off to, to, to say these things? Who? Wow, what authority does he speak? Listen, the word of God. The Bible. Plain and simple, the Word of God. You see? The Word of God. Which is sharper than any two-edged sword. And that's what I love so much about the last days. And as we get deeper in the last days. Because all these doctrines of men, they're going to be placed in the balance. And all these doctrines of men, Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopal, Catholic, Calvinism, Reformed, Neo-Calvinism, Calvary Chapel, all these things placed in the balance and found wanting. You see? Modern day Calvary Chapel is crazy. Neo-Calvinism coming in, entering. Where are the teachers? Where are the pastors? And so we see here in verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward, the spiritual. That's when we're born again. In verse 47, the first man was of the earth. See, made of the dust, that's Adam. The second man is is of the Lord from heaven as was the man of dust so also are those who are made of dust and as is though as is the heavenly man so also are those who are heavenly those are believers in Jesus Christ when you are born again not of the flesh not of your mother born again of the spirit You're born into Adam. We see in verse 48, as was the man of Adam, so are those who are made of the dust. But then you become born again in Jesus Christ all of a sudden and is, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been born the, as we, as, and as we have been born the image of the man of the dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. You see? And that's belief in Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, the author and completer of our faith. He's not done. He put your bones and muscles and sinews, put you together in your mother's womb. He's not done. He's not done. Only this. It requires belief in Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, once belief in Jesus Christ, he resumes. But now it's not a a body of the flesh. It's a body of the spirit. You see? It's like, you know, have you ever watched like a show or something on like, you know, like when you stream a movie or something, you stream a show and then like, you know, uh, you, you stop it and watch it like, you know, a week later. It's like you start the movie and it's like, you know, something happens where like you got to go. So you hit pause, you turn everything off and then like it's like a week later and then you start watching the show and then you don't start from the beginning. You have a little resume button. And it's like, okay, you know, you hit resume and it just, boom, it starts playing where you left off. It's the same with our Lord. Form you in your mother's womb, put you together, the bones, the sinews, and then all of a sudden you're born. And it's like, you know, he puts you together, you're born, it's like, boom. He stops. He stops. And then, you know, the baby turns one, baby turns two, baby turns three, four, five. And all of a sudden, as the baby's but it starts to have, you know, the, the, the building blocks of faith. Remember, eternity is written on the heart. That Ecclesiastes, it was, it, every single person was born this way. There's a, a, a measure of faith given to every man, but understand that faith can grow. Remember our saying, well, I mean, we said Romans, Colossians, Thessalonians, Corinthians, it's kind of everywhere. Faith can grow. And then you see, you know, five years old, faith is growing, six faith is growing, seven faith. And all of a sudden, baby girl says, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ. She's 11 years old. She's 13 years old. She is nine years old. Baby girl says, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're in a defunct church, the pastor will say, well, you know, she's too young. She's got to memorize this and memorize that and give this big speech and memorize this and all the catechisms and recite this. No, That's what happens when you're in a defunct church under a defunct teacher, under a defunct pastor. That's what happens. You never see it in the Bible. I mean, look at the eunuch, you know, the Ethiopian eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, like, what must I do to be saved? You know, what's stopping me from being baptized right now? You don't see Philip saying, well, you got to memorize the uh, this and this and this and that. You got to memorize the catechisms. No, Philip's like, listen, let's handle business. If you believe with all your heart, hey, let's handle business. Boom, baptized right there. Beautiful. But if you're in the defunct, that's what happened. Oh, you got to memorize this, you got to memorize that. What I say is get out of the defunct. So, baby girl's 10 years old and says, You know what? I believe in Jesus Christ. I commit my life to Jesus Christ. You know what the Lord does? Hits the resume button. Boom. Resume. And he continues to build. He continues to work. The flesh, according to the flesh, that's done. That was done inside the womb. Then put in motion are, you know, the growth process. According to Adam, according to the flesh. Puts you together in the mother's womb. And then, you know, you're born, you know, you're a, a fresh baby, you know, your first, first breath of oxygen. I mean, you know, through your nostrils. Baby's born and, you know, it's like, you know, pause, the Lord hits pause. And then all of a sudden, baby girl's 10 years old. I believe in Jesus Christ. I want to commit my life to him. And I do commit my life to him. Okay. And then the Lord hits resume. The flesh is done. But now it's of the spirit. You see? Faith starts to grow. You see? It's beautiful. 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 And don't forget that whole time there's going to be attacks because Satan doesn't want baby girl to believe. And so what does he do? He tricks the parents. He goes to the head. He goes to the dad and lures the dad with sex and drugs and alcohol and starts to destroy the home. Why? So that baby girl who believes in the promises of Jesus Christ, so Satan can come back to her, d- destroy the marriage, destroy the husband, destroy everything, so Satan can come back to her because she's a young believer and then all of a sudden say, hey, I thought, I thought God said that, you know, the things were going to be good. How could a loving God do this? Now baby girl's, her world is rocked. That's what happens. Satan doesn't play fair. I mean, if you watch a boxing match, you know, there's a referee in there. You see the pun. Sometimes the ref stops the fight. Sometimes, you know, he, you know, pulls them apart. You know, too much resting over here. They, the guys, you know, they rest on each other. No biting the ears. And, you know, the, the ref comes in and separates and, you know, does all these things. It's refereed. Satan, he doesn't fight fair. He fights cheap, cheap shots and not to just beat up to kill to destroy to drag to hell that's what hap- that's, that's 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 how it works that's his modus operandi and so all of a sudden we continue here in verse 49 first Corinthians 15 and as we have been born of the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man that's when Jesus hits resume when he builds the faith. And so we get to verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot, 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 flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I'll read that again. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot 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 inherit the kingdom of god you see when a person is born of the womb and the lord hits pause satan he never ever ever wants anybody in anybody's heart he never wants the lord to hit resume you see and the lord hits resume When a person receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the Satan, he'll go through great lengths to prevent that from ever happening. Why? Because he knows that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He knows. Don't forget the, the census in Numbers. First generation, dead. Second generation, passage into the promised land. For you and me, first generation, born into Adam, born of the flesh. Second generation, we die in Christ, spiritually speaking. Remember, water baptism, water baptism is like a gravesite. Born into Adam, born into flesh, born of, of uh, born of the earth. That guy's dead. That lady's dead. That guy, that boy is dead. That girl is dead. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. You become a believer in Jesus Christ, water baptism, that's your burial site. First generation, according to Adam, dead. You see? The Lord hits resume. And that's a new creation in Christ. Second generation, promised land. Just like we see in Numbers. You see. Now we read verse fifty. You know, know uh, uh, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Satan doesn't want anybody to be born again. He doesn't want anybody to be born again. But where are the warriors? Where are the fighters? And I don't mean like, you know, fighters, like, you know, a, you know a little punch here, a little kick there. I'm talking about the warriors who get down and dirty. Metaphysically speaking, spiritually speaking, righteously speaking. But I'm talking about down and dirty like we see in Paul, like we see in Sylvanus and Timothy. That wasn't us. Remember Paul? Yeah, Paul? I know these guys said this. I know these people said this. Talked talk about the, the doctrine of imminency, but that's not us. I never told you that. Sylvanus, did you say that? No, nope. I never said it. Timothy, did you say that? No, nope. wasn't me? We never said that. You see. And just like we see in 2 Thessalonians, you know, we told you these things already. You know. It's very powerful when you see that. Paul and the, the bubble, Sylvanus and Timothy and Titus, how they would say something. And you know, when Paul reiterates and says, Look, we told you this already. It's very interesting to see that once they were told, how immediately the seduction happened. You see? Because remember, Turn to Luke chapter eight. We read it a lot and we're gonna read it again. In Luke chapter eight, in verse 11, we see the seed is the word of God in Luke eight, but look at what Satan does. In verse 12, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart lest they should believe and be saved. You see, Satan doesn't want anybody to believe. He doesn't want anybody to be saved because he knows that flesh and blood cannot pass into the promised land, cannot pass into paradise. Satan knows this. He knows that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of heaven and he wants people to stay flesh and blood. He doesn't want the Lord to hit resume on a person's heart. Male, female, young, old, I don't care. He doesn't want the Lord to hit resume on your heart if you're a non-believer. Look at what he does. The devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. He knows what he's doing. But then what about those who do believe? Look at, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while. So that you say, oh, they're believers, short-term believers. Or They're, they're believers, that's a good thing. But look at, they're short-term believers because they believe for a while. That obliterates once saved, always was saved. Once saved, always was saved is unbiblical and in time of temptation fall away also the work of satan you see non-believer satan he'll he, he go he, he takes the, the word out of their heart verse 12 non-believer you hear the word of god now you might be a non-believer right here right now satan wants he, he likes you as a non-believer If you're a non-believer, you're listening right now. You haven't heeded my prior call to repent and receive Jesus Christ. And you're a non-believer right now. What's happening supernaturally in the spirit realm, in the pneumos, is Satan. He wants the seed to come out of your heart because he doesn't want you to believe and be saved. That's what Satan is doing right here, right now, real time, as you hear the word of God. If you're not a believer. But if you're a believer, if you're a believer, there are protections in place, supernatural, holy protections in place. But he still seduces through temptation. see remember oh you know jesus won't lose any of us jesus won't lose any of us it's true the bible does say that jesus won't lose but then at the same time understand just like the example we gave you know in our study through uh uh uh, galatians ephesians philippians thessalonians we we mentioned it quite a bit but you know you tell baby girl hey baby girl i'm gonna go prepare a place for you just stay here baby girl And then you leave. You come back, baby girl's gone. You did not lose her. You told baby girl, baby girl, stay here in the house. It's safe for you. Stay here. Baby girl says, Okay, you leave, you come back, baby girl's gone. You did not lose her. What happened is you know you went to prepare a place. And what happened is that the seducers came. Hey, baby girl, they knocked on the door. Hey, baby girl, how you doing? Hey, check this out. I got got this for you. Look how good it is over here. Look how good it is over there. Look, I can do this for you. I can do that for you. Hey, baby girl. Baby girl gets curious. Baby girl gets tempted. Baby girl walks away. The deceitfulness of sin. You come back, baby girl's gone. You did not lose her. Baby girl walked away. You see? That's how Satan works. So you say, baby girl, stay here. I go to prepare a place for you. And before you go, you say, hey, you, hey, you, people that you've been watching, You say, hey, stand guard right here. I told baby girl to stay here. You protect her. The warrior says, okay. I will do that. The wolf comes to seduce baby girl. The warrior kills the wolf. Wolf comes in, wolf dies. Other wolf comes in. Wolf dies. Meanwhile, the warrior is feeding baby girl. Baby girl is growing. Baby, girl's mature. baby girl in the course of time is in herself turning deadly. You see? But she's still in the house where it's nice and safe. Wolf comes to seduce baby girl. Wolf dies. Metaphysically speaking. I'm not speaking, you know, literally, physically. I'm speaking metaphysically. That's what happens. You come back, baby girl's nice and safe. You didn't lose her, she didn't walk away. You look at the warrior, well done. See? That's what happens. Now I know people come up with these crazy doctrines, you know, once saved, always saved. People come up with these crazy doctrines. That's nice. What does the Bible say? Oh, but he's got his doctrine. He's got his theology. That's nice. What does the Bible say? Oh, but there's 5,000 people in this church. That's scary for those 5,000 people. Get them out. Tell them to jump ship because it is dangerous. You see? Let's go back to Joshua. Joshua 16: That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. The city that is beside Zaratan. So you see Adam. And Zaratan means to pierce. Very interesting. As New Covenant believers, we see things differently. It's not just geographic Adam, not just geographic Zaratan. You see something spiritual in play here. Observe Israel according to the flesh. According to the flesh. According to Adam. But in the future, upstream into the future, where the water is, there's something else. There is a piercing that will happen. You see, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, who studied the Old Testament, who studied Torah, who studied the prophets, the minor prophets, the poetic verses, they studied these things. I don't mean to say these things, but these truths. They studied it. They should have been the ones to know. But because of pride and arrogance and blindness, which was a result of their own disobedience. Remember, the Lord just does what he says he's going to do. He just responds the way he says he's going to respond. Blindness is blindness for a reason. Listen to our study through Deuteronomy 28. You'll understand more. And Jesus Christ says, you whitewashed tombs. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees! Exclamation point! I mean, they look, they're playing the role of the religious leader. You say, what do you mean playing their role? They are the religious leaders. Yes, they are the religious leaders, but they're playing the role because they're hypocrites. Hypocrites, which is the hypocrite. They're playing a role. Look at Nicodemus, a Pharisee. And he had this beautiful curiosity. You see, he knew the scriptures and he goes to Jesus at night. I mean, I can't, I mean, he's going against the flow. I mean, a Pharisee to be seen with Jesus. And he goes to Jesus at night and Jesus explains born again. And Nicodemus, what do you mean born again? And Jesus was kind of chastisement, chastised him. You're supposed to be a teacher and you don't know? You see, there's the expectation for Jesus. Expectation that Jesus has for the religious leaders, if they want to be leaders, that they should know. And Jesus kind of chastised him. like, You're a leader and you don't know? And yet, even still, Jesus teaches... Unless a man is born again, he cannot be saved. I mean, it's beautiful that Nicodemus just went against the grain of the religious leaders, went against the flow of the religious leaders. But even still, there was a little chastisement. You see? Remember, we study the Old Testament from the lens, from the rock of the new covenant and from the lens of the new covenant. And we see something deeper as we observe Israel according to the flesh. We continue in verse 16, Joshua 3 in closing. So the waters in, in verse 16, so in the middle, so the waters that went down into the sea of Arabah, of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. You see, it's happening fulfillment. Just as the Lord said to Abraham, just as the Lord says to Isaac and Jacob, just as the Lord says to Moses, it's happening." Two weeks ago, required faith. Two months ago, required faith. Two years ago, required faith. Two decades ago, required faith. But now it's happening. You see? Then the priests, in verse 17, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. You see? And now the people see. Taste and see that the Lord is good and then they see God is with Joshua. God is with Joshua. You see? And just as we see Moses as a type of Christ, just as we see Joshua as a type of Christ, I love so much that we see certain People and attributes of certain people as types of Christ. You know why? Remember Paul when he says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And you see elements of Christ inside of godly people. Male and female. But not the Christ. But as a shadow of things to come. In the Old Testament, a shadow of things to come, pointing to Christ. New Testament Even still, a shadow of things to come. Why? Because Jesus Christ will return. The King will return. King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of David, Son of man, Son of God. We'll end our study here, Lord willing, pick up in chapter 4 next week to the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.